Now this will be the final message on why Eastside Baptist Church exclusively uses the King James Bible. And may I say to you, it's a grievous message for this preacher to preach. You'll understand why at the end. The first message I spoke about this showed us that God preserved His Word perfectly and without error for mankind. We will be judged by it. God has His books. It is written. And they will be opened at the day of judgment. And this should produce a godly fear to closely examine what Bible we use. The second message revealed the simplistic foundation of God's Word that all Scripture must rest upon. God's Word, the English Bible, we must use, must firmly sit on these basic truths. Man has willfully sinned before a holy God and therefore falls short of His acceptance. Mankind is totally incapable of removing his sin and the penalty of it. And it's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that there is remissions of sins for mankind. It's God's plan. It is God's Son. And it is revealed by the Holy Spirit of God. All of God. None of man. When man claims any work for his salvation, do you know what he is doing? <laughs> he offends a holy God by adding an element of man's works to God's salvation. You are telling God God, that Jesus is not enough for salvation. There's something of you that needs to be involved in it, which is a total untruth. You also will have a shallow idea of what sin is. Sin, even one sin, is horrible, is unacceptable before God. What is sin? To understand what sin is, to me it's easier to understand who God is is first. There is no bad in God. Everything He made is altogether good, very good and perfect. It's incapable of Him to do anything bad. 1 John 1.5 said, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Therefore, sin, I would describe, is anything that is not of God. This is why Jesus was sinless when He walked as man on this earth. He only did what the Father told Him to do. That is why He could plainly say, if you see Me, you see the Father. When we do anything that is contrary to God's Word, it is sin. Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which was in conflict with God's command. 1 John 5.3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And I like what this says. And His commandments are not grievous. Even in His commandments, the things He withholds is all good and out of love. God had a single command to Adam and Eve, and it was not grievous at all. One simple reason they disobeyed it. Eve was deceived. Let me put it this way. 
She ate the fruit, ignoring the smell of it. Turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to go through this a little bit. And for a title of the message, if I don't say it again, for Andy's sake, a smelly message. A smelly message. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Did she not smell Satan right off the bat? First of all, a talking snake. There are only two animals recorded in the Word of God where, where animals spoke to man. The serpent to Eve and a donkey to Balaam. The Bible has no indication that talking to the animals was common. Sorry, Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> it doesn't exist. After that, what kind of statement is that? Satan knew what God said. His question was merely to get the woman in conversation. Such a wrong statement would surely need to be corrected, wouldn't it? Or does it? 2 John 1.7 says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house. Neither bid him Godspeed. There's a time to end a conversation with somebody who comes in with nonsense. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So what does Eve do? She falls into the trap of a continuing a conversation with Satan. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Eve, again, he's continuing a conversation. Let me tell you about conversations especially with those who have leading questions. Questions that lure you into deeper conversations. The term is fishing. It is designed to play on kindness and innocency. The term for those who are subtly attacked this way are termed as simple. Proverbs 22.3 and repeated again in Proverbs 27.12, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. Simple comes not just in the form of being naive. It also comes in the form of pride. Just ask a person a question that will exalt what they know, and you might be there for hours. People love to talk about what they know and of themselves and all those sort of things. You can get a conversation going. Or the question can be baited with a form of simplicity called greed, of which we are all susceptible to. I remember Andy Utsi telling me that he was stopped by some men, I think it was at Lowe's, uh, which had a very expensive home movie projector system. 
still in the box, that they would sell them for a fraction of the price. I mean, I'm talking this was a good deal. They had their whole story of how the justification how they could do this because they were they they go to uh, Indian Hill and they install these expensive home theater systems in there and when they have an extra they can they're not able to keep it they have to uh, either just leave it there or they could just get rid of it before it goes there I mean a story can you smell it I'll tell you what you look at that thing you look at that you look like you could turn that money that greed starts working with this, doesn't it? Greed can cause you to ignore the smell. And it happens all, it happens to me all the time, man, I see a good deal. You know, there's, there's ways of getting around things and doing things and doing things under the table on the side and all that. Let's look on what happens to, next with Eve. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. Here she listens to a bold-faced lie. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There are those who have lived a sinful life so much or strung out on drugs that will look at a loved one and tell a bold-faced sob story to cheat them out of money. And when questioned, they will use your integrity against you of you not trusting what they're saying, that you wouldn't believe them or family. They'll make promises of repayment and write it down, show you how they're keeping track of it. Can you believe after that they burn you the first time, they have the guts to burn you a second time? And can you believe, especially mothers, will buy the lies time and time again. When Satan gets a hold of someone, they become master liars. It's amazing. I mean, I'm totally amazed. It's, It's happened to me it's hard to understand listen to Satan cunningly further sell the lie verse 5 for God know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat they ate without regards to the smell of the whole thing. A lot of your life, a lot of trouble you're going to have to stay out of is you're going to have to pay attention to your nose, folks. If you are not to be deceived in your Christian life and walk, you must develop a sense of smell. First of all, you need to know what the true Word of God is. You must be able to hear the Spirit of God reveal that truth to you. Everything else is suspect. And there are a lot of suspects. I can be a suspect. Preachers. We may tell you right or wrong. I've said some things before. I said, I wish I wouldn't have said that that way. You know, may I, oh, I just hope that went, went over. Hey, we're fallible. But you know who's not fallible? And what's not fallible? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And that's what I pray when I come up here, that that is what takes action in your life. Anything else is suspect. First of all, let me give you a broad statement about the different versions of the English Bible. 
According to a Rose publication in 2007, besides the King James Version of the Bible, all other Bible translations were translated in recent history. The Revised Version in 1881, the American Standard in 1901, the rest, 19 notable uh, versions in all, all from 1952 to 2005. This is where all these Bibles came from. New, they're new. That begins a strange odor in itself. Let's look where the smell is emanating from. You know, you know how to do that, don't you? You smell something, you're like, and you try to find the source of the smell. Some of these versions are word-for-word -word translations like the KJV, meaning that they are looking at the manuscript copies and translating word for word. Now we'll talk a little bit later about this. However, but let's talk about half of these revisions <laughs> are either paraphrase, which simply means some person writing in their own words what they believe the Bible is saying. That person is saying that. Or a thought for thought translation, attempting to say the same thought of a scripture in a more relevant way of today. Some are combinations. For instance, the Good News translation, GNT, Matthew 4.19, Jesus saith unto them, Come with me and I will teach you to catch people. The NIV is considered a great translation, which is a combination of word for word and thought for thought. It says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. The smell is starting to get a little stronger. Remember I said that word-for-word -word translations were produced from manuscripts. Now, manuscripts are copies of original autographs. The originals are gone, folks. <gasps> Don't panic. By the way, the original two tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments have not been around for a long, long time either. No worries. God preserved His Word through reliable copying by the Jews and the early church and were carefully copied and continuously distributed among His people. If not, we thus must believe that God could not preserve and make available His Word throughout all generations. That thought stinks in my mind. When I said half of the new translations were word-for-word -word translations for manuscripts, they are not all translated from the same manuscripts. They are not, not the, trans, uh, the manuscripts that the King James translation used. The KJV uses the Texas Receptus. Now, I know these are a lot of big words, or what is called the received text. This is the Greek New Testament assembled by Erasmus in the 1500s. It's the basis for the Tyndale New Testament, the KJV, and much of, yet not all, of the new KJV. We'll talk about the New King James Version a little later. 
What is important with these texts is that they are very complete. They agree with each other, the Textus Receptus. The manuscripts used were of Byzantine text type, which agreed with one another and were in the hotbed area of Christianity, the area where the East and the West trade routes met, the area of influence from the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. 90 to 95% of all ancient manuscripts found agree with the Texas Receptus. They, this is why they call it the majority text, okay? That's another term for it. It's the majority because 90, 95% of all that they found out there comes in and agrees with the Texas Receptus. The manuscripts are attached, now listen to this, to an unbroken chain of English versions. All those attempts early on, <laughs> bought with by blood, leading up to a masterful, amazing transition work authorized by King James that has been the standard well into the 20th century. Hundreds of years. The standard of the Word of God. So what are all the other new version manuscripts based on? The West, Westcott and Hort text. Their manuscripts were from Alexandria, Egypt, not discovered or was not in use or around anywhere until it resurfaced in the 1800s. This is what we call the minority text, the other 5 to 10 percent, the small little amount that they found in Alexandria, Egypt. This is called the minority text, which all except the King James Version are based upon. Westcott and Hort believe these to be the true word of God as opposed to the majority text. Sometimes people, and I remember kind of thinking, you know, early on, you know, they're, they're just different versions, you know, and, and all these things. No, there's, there's a whole root system to this. Thing. But we've got to think about this. If the Alexandria text, the, this 5 to 10% of what has been found, if that is the Word of God, then people did not have the Word of God for 1,400 years. That doesn't smell right to me. Westcott and Hort explained this by a conspiracy theory of the church rewriting the Bible in 350 to 400 A.D., corrupting the text, and ultimately, at the end, the text becoming the King James Bible and being forced upon the people. That's their explanation. They have to come up with an explanation. Of where was these 1,400 years? They stated that the Alexandria text had to go underground because of the conspiracy. So what they are saying is God somehow was not strong enough to keep his word available to all people for these 1,400 years. That does not smell to me. That stinks. And besides that, there is no evidence of such a thing in history happening. Nothing. Not a shred of it. Remember me telling you that people can tell bold-faced lies to your face? It's, people, we don't like to believe that, you know, because, you know, we, we may want to think honestly, nobody would do something that bold. 
The other thing they say is that these manuscripts are older and therefore the most reliable. Now I'll tell you what, when I get of age, just because I'm older, I'm not going to be the most reliable. I tell Tim and John, boy, wait till you see what I do to you when I get older. <laughs> Perhaps these older manuscripts were just plain inaccurate. Let's examine them. Found in 1844, having been lost for 1,400 years, a man at a Catholic monastery, presumably the place of Mount Sinai, which is questionable that that's really where Mount Sinai is. He was told that there were burning manuscripts to get rid of, so he tried to find some. After not finding any, he went to bed, and he got in his bed, and his hand hit the wastebasket. He heard a rustling, and he found a papyrus manuscript that he named Sinaiticus, as in Sinai, and then cuss at the end. <laughs> wow. God resurfaced his word after 14 years by discovery in a trash can. That just does not smell like God to me. The Sinaiticus is missing some 237 words. Wonder why new versions do not have some verses? There are blank spaces where a word ought to be or the word have been blotted out. At least five men went, went through it and made revisions in the manuscript, adding parts or changing parts, believing it made a better manuscript. Does that smell or what? The Vaticanus, <laughs> guess where that was found? In the Vatican. Was another ancient copy found in Alexandria. Westcott and Hort called it the improved manuscript because there were ten men who made revisions to it. The Vaticanus is missing the last part of the New Testament from Hebrews chapter 4 to the end of Revelation, which is not totally unusual for manuscripts, but it will become interesting when we compare the two manuscripts. The Vaticanus was found in the Vatican in Rome during the Reformation. This is a time when the Word of God was being published for people to read in their own language, and to read and to understand. Now, I come from a Catholic background, and my parents were told at that time you could not understand the Word of God. The, uh, uh, the, the uh, masses were in Latin, and they needed to be told what it, was, what it said. Here is a time when the Word of God is being published and being made available for all to read. That's when this, this one happens to pop up. The Catholics told the people that they went through their archives and found the real Word of God. It is some extra books that you don't have, so it's much better. Does not that smell suspicious? You'll find through history and, and when things happen, uh, this stuff really begins to smell. Since these two manuscripts are the oldest and most accurate, right, we would then expect them to agree, right, to be most identical to each other. As we compare, there are 3,000 differences in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. From Matthew to Hebrews, and that's all we can compare because the Vaticanus um, was missing um, from Hebrews to the rest of the Bible, 
there are over 5,000 differences found. It is understandable that the new versions that are based on the minority text have so many differences because there is such disunity between the, those two versions, those two old ancient versions. Through letters that we have written by Westcott and Hort, we see where they were agnostic. Unsaved people who actually denied portions of the scripture and denied orthodox Christian beliefs. In other words, what the early church believed. They had a religious slant in their lives that favored the beliefs of Catholicism. Is this who God would use to preserve His Word? I think I found the source of the smell. Corrupt, wrong, dirty, stinking manuscripts. Here is some additional smell. How about copywriting of the new versions? I noticed, I kind of wondered, there was a book that we went through, and it used different versions, which drove me crazy. But when they used a version other than the King James, they would reference it, that they would credit it to the version. But the King James wasn't. That's because of copywriting. <laughs> they have to give credit to where credit's due. One might say there is little differences between versions, and they all agree in the fundamental doctrines with the KJV. There are only subtle differences. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. There are hundreds of differences between the new versions and the KJV. Subtle differences in the Bible slant doctrine and attack the deity of Christ. Let me give you some differences. In the RSV, Luke 2.33 says that Joseph is Jesus' father. Now that, that may sound kind of innocent and insignificant. Luke 2.33 in the King James, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Mary was his mother. But who was his father? God the Father. Yeah. Joseph was his stepfather here. Who? But you see these slight differences. That takes away from the deity of Christ. Acts 8.37 says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, the Ethiopian eunuch who was who is led to the Lord, who is wanting to be baptized. And he says, you know, there's water. You know what? Can I go down and be baptized? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. This verse is completely left out of the RSV. There are also other verses left out that deal with the Trinity and the fact that they are all three in one. Another verse missing where Christ is called Lord God. The Living Bible is a paraphrase Bible. It is Kenneth Taylor's commentary on the Bible. He did not use Greek manuscripts or Greek texts to translate it. He carried uh, his English versions with him on the plane while traveling from city to city. He took notes, jotted down what he thought each verse meant, 
claiming to write a Bible people could understand. There is a copyright there with him, and he made some money on that. The Living Bible, ten words are missing that deal with adultery. Isn't that convenient? John 16, 16, the phrase, because I go to the Father, is dropped, removing emphasis on the deity of Christ. I'm going to give you the root of why all these things, all these versions exist. As long as people will buy new versions, there will be more versions. There's more versions happening today. There's a good reason for it. Hopefully you'll catch on to that. The KJV is not copyrighted and has stood alone as the sole English translation as the Word of God for hundreds of years. It is the Bible of the great preachers and revivals of the past. The KJV stands in the way of profiting from other versions. The most bought book in the world is the Bible. Other versions stand to profit by taking market share from the sale of Bibles. Somebody's going to buy a Bible. Or they may buy a couple of versions of Bibles. The more they can get of this market share, the more they can sell. If there's no market, the versions will cease. They constantly revise Bibles and market them as improved. It is common that they will say, in this interesting that it is better than the King James? Why are they always, it's better than the King, King James? And people are buying it. You know why? On man's word. Man's work and man's deception. We're too lazy. I'll tell you what, this country as a whole has a bunch of lazy people in it. This country has a bunch of lazy people in it. They won't go find things for themselves. They want the easy answer. They want somebody to tell them what to do, what to read, how to do it. I'm going to tell you, there's two things to trust. The true word of God and the Holy Spirit revealing it to you. That's it. The NIV, 1982, the year I graduated, which is said to be one of the best ones, changes the words in Acts 2.38. They change the words, be baptized for the remission of sins, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven. There are people who say that in Acts 2.38, it was a bad translation in the KJV. Here's an explanation um, that, I, that I found uh, that was pretty good, I thought. John went to jail for stealing. Not necessarily John. Why did he go to jail? For stealing. Did he send them to jail in order to steal? Of course not. They sent him there because he had already done it. Acts 2.38 says you get baptized for the remission of sins. In other words, you get baptized because your sins are already remitted. The NIV has conveniently reworded the Bible to teach the doctrine of baptismal regeneration. And that means that it is necessary for salvation that you must be baptized, that that is integral and a, and a must and a need. And we could go on and on with these differences, subtle differences that at the surface you may not think of, but it's starting to teach a different doctrine. What about the books of the Apocrypha? The Textus Receptus, okay, the received text, the majority text, included them. 
but they were clearly identified as non-canon or otherwise not holy scripture. They were only identified as additional resource of study. They were not the written word of God. The books of the Apocrypha, which were written in the silent years of the Bible, but some versions include them like they are holy scripture, put them in there right along with it. What about the new King James Version? Well, it does use the Texas Receptus, but it also uses the Alexandria Manuscripts. It also has a few key words changed. It is also copyrighted. By the way, to get a copyright, you can't just change a few words of an established work. It must be different enough to be considered a work of its own. The thought that it just changes the these and the thous, which Brother Mike was talking about the importance of those this morning. As a matter of fact, I, uh, when I spoke at Hannah and Zach's wedding, I used the word thy and the importance and how important that word thy, thy God. Personal pronouns are, are precious in the word of God. But that is an understatement, and it's a lie to justify its use. I don't like the smell of it. That brings us to the justification of new versions being more readable and understandable. They state that modern languages change constantly, and the Bible must use words of everyday life. I want to challenge that statement. Number one, the Bible is not understood by the intellect of man. As a matter of fact, the intellect of man is incapable of discerning what God is saying in his word. Only the saved have the Holy Spirit that can interpret God's meanings of words. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide you into all truth. A good reason for all the new versions is unsaved people constantly trying to get a better understanding of God's Word. Think about it. If they can't understand it, and they have some new version that will help them to better understand it, though they can never understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit of God, they'll buy new versions all the time. How foolish. 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Number two, the words in the KJV are legitimate English words. You can research and find their meanings. Tim, you have a Bible, is it called a defined? A defined Bible, which basically... Those words that aren't used as much, it gives definitions formed for, as a help. The Bible was never meant to be a convenient read. Did you know that? <laughs> it's a lifetime that we can never exhaust. It's amazing. It's rich. God wants us to search for it as treasure. The Hebrew Old Testament copied word for word 
well over a thousand years, dared not to change a single jot or tittle. Did the Hebrew language change? By the statement of the new version writers, it must have gone over huge changes. But did they change the word of God to reflect the most relevant word use and changes so that it can be more easily read? There's another statement made that we should use different versions to compare with when reading the Bible. For the life of me. And I don't care, at this point, I'm not even talking about a, a, ver, a particular version. Explain why a church would use multiple versions of Bibles. How do we teach our children memory verses? In Bible school, when they are rewarded for memory verses, which do they use? How many Bibles do we have to have in a church to, to make sure they got right in one of the versions? I mean, it just doesn't. I don't know, it just doesn't even make sense to me. My only explanation is that these churches are political. There's a lot of unsaved people in a lot of churches. They don't know the Word of God, but they've got their pick of the Word of God. And you're not going to tell them, we're only going to use this <laughs> translation. It becomes political. Using un only one Bible is narrow-minded. And they wouldn't able to be able to keep their congregation. I guarantee you, you go into a big church and you take a stand and say, this is the word of God and this is all of what we're going to preach. And I don't even care which one it is at this point. They're going to leave. People have their own gods. Folks, their own Bible. Nobody's going to tell me what to do and what they're really saying. And I've said this before. They're saying God is not going to tell me what to do. I'll make God into my God. Why would a book writer use different versions and references? Because he is using different versions to justify what he believes the Bible is saying. See, he's trying to get over his point. So the draw is to catch the different versions that support what he is saying. Let's let God say what he says. Let it stand. It's all over the place. You ever smell something that gets so bad it starts to make you sick? I'm tired of smelling this morning. I told you this is a grievous message. If you heard the phrase, it stinks to high heaven, I have never understood that more than I have through preparing this message. Why is it so grieving? Because it reminds me of the lies this world has bought. Evolution men from monkeys still taught in public schools that has been constantly debunked. Every so-called transitional ape man shown as falsity. Even a pig's tooth being formed into Nebraska man and shoved in the face of the world as proof of evolution and they've believed it. And you could probably get books and all sorts of things. Oh, every one of them, it's amazing. Bold-faced lies, flat-out lies and evolution. Evolution's been debunked, folks. It just keeps falling apart and falling apart and falling apart, and it's still in the schools. It's a bold-faced lie right in our face. Abortion, women's right to kill their baby. It's in our face. 
We could go on and on. I'm reminded of Hitler's mantra. If you tell a lie hard enough, consistent enough, long enough, the people will believe it. And it happened. It's happening. To, it's happened right in front of our faces. Liars. We could go on and on. It is true. The same mantra prevails today. It's reached our churches. Our churches are a mess. I'm talking as a whole. It's crumbling apart because of what they believe, really, what the Word of God is. The church is supposed to be the ground and pillar of the truth. Yet it's crumbling. There's only one thing, and I've repeated this several times, that you can trust. And that's God's true word and His Holy Spirit signifying it in your hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, pianists coming to play. Oh, there's tons and tons and tons of stinky trash I can put before you. That's not pleasant. I'd much rather be just preached on the truth and let God's Holy Spirit work in our lives. But it's important for you to know some of these things, to understand these things, why we use the King James Version of the Bible. I could have went on and went on with what all smells so good about the King James Bible. I just don't have time for that. This is a wonderful work when you study it. Folks, you better develop your smell. You develop that smell by getting in the Word of God, studying it, meditating upon it, letting the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. Folks, even, even if you're saved, sometimes God will not reveal some things in the Bible to you. We've seen that uh, with the disciples. He plainly told them some things, but they didn't have understanding until God gave them the understanding. So sometimes we have to wait on the understanding. Until you develop that smell, you are suspect to a bunch of subtle liars in this world. Like I said, there's, there's so much there. It's just, it's a, uh, you could spend your life looking at these things, but why? There's just no good reason. We've, we've got the Word of God. It's been there. It's been established. It's been used. God's used it. There's no reason to change it. We're still speaking English. You know, I think about it. I thought about it. Well, you know, if, if we've got to use the modern language, is, is, is there a Bible for the South? That uses you all and zinc and chimneys and Davenports and whatever all they, their, their words that they use. Then I thought about the Northeast of a version that is fast speaking with cuss words in between. <laughs> you know, or go to the hood. I don't even know how to speak that language. Well, we have English. The problem is we don't know our English too well. 
but we have ways to find out. I mean, we, we have the word of God. There's just no reason for any other version. Simply that. When you look into it, it stinks so bad it makes you sick. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. I pray, Lord God, that we would just uh, look to you, look to your word, look to your Holy Spirit, watch him, uh, watch the Holy Spirit reveal the truth in it. And then may we be able to help others out of their ignorance. Maybe. I don't know. But may we, as Mike said, love you enough to make all of your blood do all it can do through all it can for your honor and for your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are